0: hey everybody it's Britt, lead pastor at sunridge welcome or welcome back to the sunridge teaching podcast you know we are on a mission here at sunridge to help people find and follow jesus we believe in the good news that jesus welcomes all regardless of how far you feel from god that means we're a great starting point to explore christianity or to sink your spiritual roots deep as a devoted jesus follower for the summer we are gathering indoors with a team teaching model that provides opportunities for you to stop and process some of the concepts we cover. If you're listening to the podcast, we recommend you, too, gather with some friends or family to discuss the introspective questions attached to the note sheets you can find at our website. And the podcast will note the appropriate breaks in the Sunday teachings for you to do that. If you'd like to know more about us, just check out our website, sunridgechurch.org, and of course we'd love to have you drop in anytime for a visit and to learn and worship along with us. And now here's our teaching for the week. We hope it leads you to encounter the way of Jesus more fully. And that's where we have been working through together, going through different spiritual disciplines. And today we are going to cover probably the most common and obvious spiritual discipline, prayer. Now when you think of prayer, You think about things that sometimes in public it's hard, or it can be very awkward. And I thought, what better way to show just how awkward prayer can be than through this movie clip. So we're going to go ahead and show that.
1: Okay. Oh, dear God. Thank you, you are such a good God to us, a a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh sweet, sweet Lord of hosts for the smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day. Day by day, day by day, by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray. To love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more nearly, day by day. My day. Amen. Amen.
2: Oh, Greg, that was lovely.
1: Thank you, Greg.
0: That was interesting, too. That is very interesting. And as cringy as that is, I think the reason it's so funny is we all relate to that, right? We've all had that awkward, hard experience in prayer. So for the next three minutes, that's what you get to do in your group. Why don't you share about an awkward experience that you have had with prayer?
1: in and of itself, and then the
2: the attempt to pray together is just, our, our boys, quite frankly, they don't really enjoy it, and so it's difficult at times to get that out. I will say, however, that one of the things that I appreciate are the nights late at night when I can go upstairs and I can overhear in the bedroom, Mal, praying with our boys, and you might think that as a pastor on staff here, I have this uber spiritualness about Me And I pray with my kids before every meal and every morning and before they go to bed at night. But I'm a pretty regular person just like many of you. And I've had those sweet moments with my kids. But it is not every single meal or every single day. I can guarantee you that. Honestly, sometimes it looks like last night where I was up for the entirety of the evening fretting about what this morning would look like. And in between pleading with God to take this cup away, my mind would drift off to wonder whether or not the Phoenix Suns could somehow muster up the courage to beat the Milwaukee Bucks in a few days. And I know for many of you, when you think about prayer and your experience with it, you probably have had really intense moments of pleading and crying out to God. And other moments that might look like That Ben Stiller scene and perhaps some, like last night, where you were intent on doing that and you found yourself waking up to your alarm later on in the day. We've used a passage of Scripture for the entirety of this series to frame where we're traveling. It's been Romans chapter 12, verse 2, which says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. In every section, we've talked about how the pattern of this world causes us to look at whatever our spiritual discipline is and consider the alternative that Jesus Christ invites us into. And so it was a little bit difficult to think about what the pattern of this world would be when it comes to prayer and what we ought not conform to because, frankly... Regardless of religious or faith or spiritual tradition, many people in our world have partaken in some sort of prayer. Whether they do that regularly or rarely, most humans, and I've seen anecdote after anecdote and talked to many people who, of course, at different points in time, have expressed that they've prayed in some form or fashion. So again, it was a little bit difficult to contrive. What would the pattern of this world be? We've landed on this. When it comes to prayer, we often use it as a means to an end. Now, hear me in this. That's not in and of itself a bad thing. We can often use prayer as a means, particularly asking God for a certain outcome or thing. And we know that, again, that in and of itself is not bad. I'm not trying to get down on that. Many of us in our prayers have approached God in that manner, in that fashion. And yet if that is the ultimate purpose of prayer, to come to God with our requests and then have something turn out the way that we have requested it, perhaps you and I have missed largely the way that prayer is presented in Scripture. But before we look at that a little bit more, here are a couple verses that we tend to put on this topic that may, separated from their context, kind of get us into that place. Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica in chapter 5 of his first letter, Rejoice, always pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus And then in Luke chapter 11, after the disciples have asked Jesus how to teach them, how to pray, he shares a little parable, and then we have these words there. He says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who searches, finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be open." And in both of these passages, it does seem to indicate that prayer would function like people might imagine it would in the Christian community, that we're just praying all the time. And when we pray, we come before God and ask and knock, and the door is open. And we get the response that we want, or we're hoping for. So last week, our spiritual discipline was on confession. Wouldn't it be interesting if there were enough faith in this faith community for us to confess that for much of our lives prayer certainly hasn't looked like something we're doing all the time and even if we were pleading with God over and over many of us have struggled with it because the ways in which our prayers were answered were not the way that we would hope that they would be answered and most honestly I can tell you that for large portions Of my life. When I have come before God. There's been a sense of emptiness on the other side. Wondering if God were actually listening. How could he with 7.8 billion people on this planet. And all their knocking and asking. And seeking and hoping and wishing. And dreaming. Could God actually be paying attention to me? Am I the only one in this room who's experienced that? I doubt it. I don't think so. And yet, I would believe that God is wanting to transform my perspective and widen it on prayer. And I have met many wonderful individuals who have submitted themselves to the process of prayer in a way that I so respect Have learned so much from and can honestly say have experienced in bits and pieces the way that perhaps God has intended it to be. And so when we ask ourselves, how can we be transformed in this? How is God inviting us to participate in our transformation? Typically in this section, we've had three or so fill in the blanks, but you only have one this week. Your fill in the blank is this do not quench the spirit. And that seems really ethereal and heady. And so in order to get that down to our level, I'd like to show you a video.
0: Happy, happy birthday. birthday to
2: you. A happy
1: birthday.
2: we cut it off right in time you don't know what happens next cliffhanger for you don't worry we would never show you a video where a cute child is harmed in service so I I was looking for videos of my kids because I can remember different points in time where at their first or second birthday party, they were presented with a candle and asked to blow it out, and what happened next was what you would expect for a little human being that was presented with the flame, which is attempting to blow that thing out and probably not being so successful other than getting spit all over that cake that they're then supposed to share with, with the rest of everyone right? Or you can think about that time when maybe you've seen a little child actually grab for that flame. I don't remember which son of ours it was, but I think it was Titus, that probably makes sense, our middle child, at his birthday where he went to grab for the flame and he actually burned himself. And that wasn't too fun. So I just gave you this very simple fill in the blank, do not quench The Spirit. And that word quench there, we can see as do not extinguish the Spirit. Do not suppress it or put it out. And I went with that imagery particularly because in Scripture, oftentimes, oftentimes, the presence of God with us, the Holy Spirit, is described with the imagery of a flame or a wind, some type of movement, this wildness. And that passage earlier from 1 Thessalonians where it says rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus is then followed up with do not quench the spirit. See what's interesting is if we were to think about the imagery of a fire and apply that to the Holy Spirit, the presence of God with us. That that little picture, that video of of little Sawyer trying so hard to blow it out and, and being unsuccessful is almost the opposite of what it looks like for you and me. Because unlike this raging flame that can consume a forest and take over, it doesn't seem like, at least in my experience, that God is particularly interested in just robotically just consuming me or taking over and having me do things that I'm not participating in. And so to quench the spirit, to extinguish it, to put out the flame, the all-consuming nature of who God is, unlike Sawyer, I actually don't have to do too much. I don't have to try and blow out so hard. I can just go about doing my day and living my life, and I can actually miss out on the goodness of God for me. That would look like a fire doing what it's supposed to do in a natural ecosystem. Now I'm not a scientist, and unlike Brit, I wasn't a firefighter. And maybe he can explain this later on. Just ask him after service. I'm sure he has the answer about the role of fire in ecosystems. But I've heard, I've heard, and again, I'm not going to try and explain it. I've heard that it has a role there in burning away and being a part of new life. And when we look at fire in Scripture, when we think about the presence of God with us. It seems as though the goal is to actually be consumed. Luke chapter 11, I shared from earlier, but after Jesus has explained to the disciples how they ought to pray, he says this, and he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, and this is the person who's knocking and asking for bread, at least because of his persistence, he, who's the one who was laying down, will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who searches, finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Now if we ended there, it would make it appear as though persistently asking God for something like bread it will eventually see its way to us getting what we want. And I'm sure that it's been presented like that in some places. But if you look at what comes after this, Jesus continues and says, is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? This is supposed to be comedic. Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? And you can hear them chuckling. And then he turns on them and says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? See, when we look at the whole of this library, we see, and rightfully so, many, many different ways to communicate with God. And I'm so grateful for that. We see prayers in earnest. We see prayers in songs. We see yelling at God. We see prayers that border on and actually press into blasphemy if we're looking at some of our minor prophets, we see intensity, we see stillness, we see thanksgiving, we see all sorts and types of prayers. In the moment, after our group time, we're going to have Britt come up, and he's going to share, and he has this very simple, straightforward way for us to consider what prayer is about. And I'm not going to fill in the blank for you, But just keep this in mind later on when Britt gets that piece about what prayer is, talking to God about and then continuing forward. If it's talking to God about, and here we see Jesus speaking about prayer and coming to the Father and persistently pleading for the Holy Spirit. And we think about the Spirit and the imagery there as fire and consuming. We take a step further and we remember that fire, its purpose is to purify and refine and burn away impurities, right? We see Peter write, These have come out so your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire may be proved genuine. and may result in all praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. If fire, if the Spirit is attempting to refine us and consume us, and wouldn't it be important for you and I more and more to not just see prayer as a means to a particular outcome or end, but instead to consider the process of submitting persistently over and over to something that is for good and yet might be a little bit difficult, might be A little bit hard. Because what would it look like. For me. And for you. Becoming before God. Throughout. Our days. And praying something. Along the lines of Jesus saying. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Which that's not like a partial invitation. It's kingdom coming. And imposing its will. On us and us subjecting to that, like a fire, looks a lot more than just, Hey God, I'm feeling this. Would would you come and take care of that for me? So in your groups, actually, before you get to your groups, let's take a moment of personal reflection. And there's a question for you that'll be on the screen. And what comes to mind when you think about prayer? as a consuming and refining fire. And really uh, a better way perhaps to think about that is prayer as a means to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God is a consuming and refining fire. And so we'll put up a timer. Just think on that for a minute, and then we'll transition to another question. So you had a few moments to consider that thought. And if you're just joining us, you can see that all around our worship center, you're in little clusters. And throughout the summer, we've been using an interactive model. And so if you're online in this section, if you're with people, we'd encourage you to answer this question. You can put that out in the chat. And for those of us who are here, if you see someone around you that is off by themselves, introduce yourself, bring them into your little huddle, and let's answer these questions questions. What are some ways that you've struggled with prayer? And then what are some ways that your prayers might benefit to change? Go ahead and do that for three minutes.
0: Good morning, Sunridge. I hate to interrupt you. You're doing so good. You're preaching a great sermon. I'm listening to you guys. Hey, uh, one of the things that uh, is that I love to do is to sit in this front row and watch what's happening at church when it's going on and uh, so if you guys don't know me I'm Britt I'm one of the pastors here and I see people that have been at Sunridge so long some of you have moved away I just want to point out the Mathises are here all the way from Texas those of you that know them and uh, they always come back and get resaved here in California uh, no big belt buckle or anything. Darn. Okay. And then I also have seen like new faces walking in, and you you probably like what is going on with this church? This all this weird seating and everything. This is something that we've been doing for the summer, that is interactive. And you've seen that it's different church, right? But it was it was a way we were responding to COVID and how people were so separated and yet. We wanted to engage in these practices that are part of our spiritual formation, how we can transform together. These are things that Jesus did, that his disciples did, and the church through the ages have done to to grow spiritually. And so, you know, we put out a survey to our church during uh, last week, and thank you guys for everyone that's been giving us your feedback. And, um, you know, what we know is that some of you have loved this and some of you hate it and that's okay you know i'm especially happy when i get you to hate something that i've done because no <laughs> i'm just kidding i want to say that like for those of you that it has rattled your cage we appreciate you hanging in there with us thank you for doing that and kind of like going along with a program that you're like ah it's weird to me or whatever and those of you that love it i mean you love all of our ideas so that's awesome so We'll talk more about that in the future. So give us your feedback. Um, so this part of our Sunday morning message is where we look at how are we going to do this together? How can we test and approve the, the good and pleasing will of God? How can we do this together as Christians? And, um, you know, when, when it comes to prayer or the discipline of prayer, um, we know that it's one of those things that it's pretty easy to beat ourselves up on right? I mean, how many of you have just ever felt like you were overdoing it on prayer? Like, oh, I got to back off on all this praying, right? Said nobody ever. And as much as the Bible has to say about prayer, and as fundamental as it is to the Christian life, as this Jed has been pointing out, it still remains a mystery to us in so many ways. And prayer is something that we're constantly learning, right? not just about it, but how to do it. You know, uh, my oldest daughter and her family, they they have a really good friend that um, he knows everything about everything. And uh, he has a little phrase, he says, whatever you're talking about, um, like whether you're talking about gardening or painting or math, he's like, his line is always, oh, I'm totally the master of that. That's how he enters into the conversation. Hey, we're doing a gardening. Oh, I'm totally the master of gardening. And then he, you know, starts to just tell you everything he knows about it. I know that none of us are sitting here going, I'm totally the master of prayer, right? And you know, that was true of the disciples as well. They, they uh, One day they were watching Jesus pray in Luke 11 1. and when he finished one of his disciples said to him Lord teach us to pray and it doesn't matter like if you're a brand new Christian you're not a Christian we all pray right even even atheists pray I found but it's hard to wrap our arms around it and remember when the disciples said to Jesus like teach us to pray They had prayed their entire lives. They went to Hebrew school. We talked about that in the first message on spiritual formation, about the rigors that they went through in their religious training. Most of them knew Psalms by heart by their adolescent years. They prayed constantly in their family life. And part of the rich heritage of Judaism was that prayers are part of your daily ritual, stopping in, in a moment and praying. You know, sometimes our prayers essentially make God out to be a magic genie. Isn't that true? I mean, we call on him, or we call on him in our biggies, and then we just move on. But prayers like that don't end up getting past the ceiling, right? James says that you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives. So as Jed mentioned earlier, I'm going to cough a second. Um, I'm just going to try and break prayer down in the simplest way. And this is out of the mind of Brit, so like just take it with a grain of salt. Prayer is talking to God about matters that we're both concerned about. Does that make sense? Psalm 63 begins like this. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Can I just paraphrase that in like our modern everyday lives? It would be this, God, I want to know what you think. I mean, have you ever been in a situation where you had a friend or someone in your family and you you really had good advice for them, and you wanted to share it, but that person just really wasn't interested in what you had to say. I mean, maybe even in your mind, you're going, just ask me about this, or maybe you said it out loud, hey, you know, I can help you with this. How many of us, uh, when we were adolescents, as we look back, don't you wish you had asked your parents more often? What do you think about this? Can you give me some input on that? How many of you who are supervisors or you have a business and you want to see the people that you lead succeed and in your mind you're saying, just just ask me about this. I know something about this. How many of you are coaches and you have an athlete that has all the tools and all the skills and they just need some adjusting, and you're like, hey, just listen to what I'm going to tell you, or how many of you just have a friend or someone you have a relationship with, and they're struggling with their finances or in their marriage or the direction of their lives, and you just want to say something to them. You want them, you want to give them input, and I think that that is what God must feel like when we're prayerless, the Scottish theologian P.T. Forsyth said this prayer is to religion what original research is to science. Prayer is an information gathering time. And we have at our fingertips the God of the universe. Prayer is seeking God's input. Or maybe you could look at it from another perspective. Have you ever thought about sharing something really heavy? with a friend, but you didn't because you thought they really weren't interested in what you were gonna say. And then later, you found out that they really were. And maybe it even came up and you're like, your friend says, man, I wish you would have told me that because I could have dot, dot, dot. You see, God isn't looking down on us with a checklist. It's like, you read your Bible, Did you give your offering? Did you help an old lady across the street? Did you pray? Check. I think when we're prayerless, God feels like he wants to be a part of what we're going through. And yet somehow we think that he's really not interested. See, our prayer life really is a barometer of our relationship with God those of you that are married. If you're not talking, you know, I've heard that some marriages get in a fuss and then husbands and wives don't talk to each other. Thankfully, pastors never do that. But, you know, the issue isn't that you don't talk, right? It's like, oh, we need to talk. Well, maybe that might happen. But um, when, when couples don't talk, it's that they're, Something's happening in their relationship. That's what's really going on. Sometimes we ask, does God even hear my prayers? Does he listen? Does he even care? And yet the scripture assures us so many times that God is keenly interested in what we want to talk to him about. He is eager to lean in. In Peter's first letter... In chapter 3, verse 12, he says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. God is eager to lean in. When Cindy and I first got married, uh, she was from Holland, Michigan, little Dutch community right here on the mitten on Lake Michigan. And I worked for a home builder, a a custom home builder named Dennis Woody Witteveen wonder how he got that name. And Woody taught me how to frame a house. He taught me how to do carpentry. And uh, on a recent visit to Michigan, I stopped by to see him. I had not seen him since I worked for him. And here's a picture of him and his wife, Judy. This guy um, taught me everything I know. About construction. And uh, from how to hammer, <laughs> that's where I started, how to cut, how to measure. And you know, at first, when you're working for a contractor, you're, you're just the gopher you know, you go for this, go for that. And, uh, but like, I was eager to learn, so I was constantly asking him questions. So he would be off doing something like laying out a house, taking the blueprints and making all the marks on the on the plate, and I'd be over there cutting studs or whatever. And I'd be like, "Hey, Woody, you know, can you show me how to do that?" And he's like, "You just keep working." And then because uh, he has to make some money, right? And I was a strong back and a weak mind. That's what he really needed. And uh, but eventually, he started to show me. Okay, just hold this end of the tape, and I'd say, "So, what's that mark?" And it was, and then. He showed me how to read blueprints. He showed me how to cut rafters, how to lay a house out, how to cut a stairwell and or stairs. And I just peppered him with questions. The reason why I share that story with you in a, in a sermon about prayer is Paul's first letter to the Corinthians in chapter 3, verse 9. He says, For we are co workers in God's service, and you are God's field, God's building. Here's the thing. We are building something together with God. We are co-workers, you and me, with God. We are working with Him and for Him in His field. And we are constructing something with Him. We are building with Him. And all of us here today, we are, we are working alongside God in this world. If you're a mom or a dad, are you not working alongside God right now in how you raise your children, how you help them to grow up and to make decisions? If you're a student, Are you not working with God to prepare yourself for the thing that he has you to do in your vocation or in your life? If if you have a business, isn't God your partner in that business? Are you not doing something that makes something, that makes the world better or allows someone to do something easier or get somebody somewhere or allows them to accomplish their goals. And you're doing that with God as your partner in that. And, of course, if you're doing ministry or you're serving, God is doing that right alongside you. Even the most fundamental thing a Christian would do is to share the gospel either with words or with our lives Paul says that one plants, and other waters, and God makes it grow. And of course, he's interested in what we're doing because what we're working on depends upon his cooperation. And of course, we need his input because what we're building or the field that we are working in belongs to him. So we want his input. We want to learn from him. These are things that we are doing together with God. So how are we going to do this together to test and approve God's will in prayer? We are going to pray. You know, in Foster's celebration of discipline, one of the one of the core books that we've used for this spiritual formation series, he lists the pitfalls of spiritual disciplines. And one that I think especially applies to prayer is this, to study the disciplines without experiencing them. To talk about prayer, to read about prayer, but not to pray. So in order to learn how to pray, We have to practice praying. So in practicing prayer, we're going to begin, as we have with each one of these disciplines, with a daily meditation. And that meditation is going to come from Psalm 63.1. I'm going to put it up on the screen again. You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. And what we're inviting you to do as part of your morning or daily meditation is to spend time meditating on this, just this one verse from Psalm, or you can do the the entire Psalm 63. Meditate on it for five minutes. And as you do, as you're thinking about this verse from Psalms, Make a list of the things that you're concerned about, that you and God are working on together. And as those things come to mind, stop and pray and ask God for his input. And then move forward throughout your day with confidence that he's keenly interested in what you and he are doing together. You know, I was just saying in our group that I like to picture God sitting across, you know, a coffee table with me and leaning forward, interested in what I'm talking to him about. Then take those meditations and put them into practice. We have a number of options for you as we do every week. Number one, recite a simple prayer each day. Pick... Pick your own. A couple of examples are just to grab that one line out of uh, uh, where Jesus taught the disciples to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done, or Holy Spirit consume me. Make some scripture your prayer and just recite that throughout the day. Make it kind of like the forefront of your thoughts. Another option is to spend an additional five minutes in prayer seeking God's input on those things that you wrote down as the things you are concerned about and that you are working alongside God and others with. Instead of talking to God, ask God questions. And listen, write them down. And then ask yourself, what advice am I I receiving from God? Another option, option three is each day to pray with someone about those things on your list, just pick one. If uh, if you have a coworker that's a Christian or a neighbor or someone from Sunridge, you can do it on the phone. You can do it in FaceTime. You can meet, but like pray for one thing with each other. Do it together. And if you have kids, obviously they're going to be on your list, and you have a spouse, pray with them about those things with your children. And if you don't have a spouse, there's someone that loves your kids just like you do. And seek them out and pray for your kids. And, and help have your kids become a part of this too, and pick something that they want God's input on as they see God working alongside them in their lives as well. Number four, something called flash prayers. And there's a guy uh, named Frank Laubach that kind of coined this phrase. And it seems a little gimmicky, but what it can do is it can activate your prayer life in a way that it hasn't been before. And you will find yourself going through the day looking at people and the events that you're surrounded with um, through the lens of God's perspective. And it's it's simply like when you see someone that has a need, send a prayer. Right then, you see someone. say, like, Lord, be with that person. You see someone walking on the street. Pray for that person. Someone in your office, you can tell them. Just pray. A simple one-sentence prayer. If you hear a fire engine going down the street, first of all, thank God for all the wonderful, beautiful firefighters in the world. But then pray for the people that, that they're going to. Pray for the emergency responders. God, be with that person that's injured or sick. It's like so many examples that we can do that. Next time you're stuck in traffic or in the store, look around and pray for the people that you see, which would be totally different, right? When you're stuck in traffic praying for the people around you. Because what you're doing is you're viewing the world through the eyes of God throughout your day. Number five, have an extended time of prayer this week. Some of you have been really needing some advice from God. You really have some big decisions coming up. And um, maybe it's time to just set an hour or two away and to think and to pray. And of course, the last one is always design your own practice. Choose your own adventure, right? Either way, we're inviting us together as church to make prayer A real discipline this week. So uh, this is a time where we can interact a little. Uh, If you're watching online, we invite invite you to do this as well, but uh, this first section is going to be three minutes, and we just want you to debrief a little bit from last week's practice of confession. There's a couple of questions that we'll put up there. How did you do it? Like, what practice did you do? And what did you learn that you can incorporate? Let's spend three minutes doing that, and then I'll come up and we'll make a transition to the next thing. Okay? Thank you. All right. Uh, We're going to transition now. And I want us to talk a little bit uh, for three minutes about this whole idea of the practice of prayer uh, for uh, just the next few minutes. Like, what are you looking forward to? The questions are up here. And then uh, what what challenges do you think are going to come with whatever practice that you're going to do. Okay? Didn't mean to interrupt you. Go back to it. Hey, everybody. It's Britt again. Thanks for listening. If you need help with something, if you have a question or you'd like us to pray for you, you can reach us through email, info at sunridgechurch.org. Or if you'd like to know more about us, just go to our website, sunridgechurch.org. It's super easy to navigate. We hope you'll listen in again next week. And in the meantime, wherever you go, be the salt and light of the world.